1: and now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Waterski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Yes, I am the aforementioned Tony
0: Lightfoot, and this is the TWBC Podcast. Coming to you from Trophy Lakes in Charleston in South Carolina prior to the Malibu Open. And uh, the next guest that I have on this uh, podcast, on this fine, beautiful, sunshiny day with uh, hardly a ripple on the water, is Mr. Peace Love and water skiing himself, Mr. Cory Vaughn. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm great, Tony. Happy to be here with you. Glad to be down at Trophy Lakes. Definitely one of my favorite places to ski. And I heard one of yours as well. Yes, absolutely. I mean, way, way back in the day when I was uh, slicing and dicing it
0: out there on the slalom course, I had been known to get into... Eleven point two five meters. Not not much beyond beyond that point since, but uh, uh, maybe one of these days I can I can slap the ski on and uh, do some stuff at thirty four. But this isn't about me. This is about Corey. So uh, you come to us out of uh, Bumpus in uh, in Virginia. Hopefully I'm saying that right because if I hadn't been saying saying it right, there would have been about four, four or five years in a row where I had where where I've been saying it incorrectly. That is Bumpus.
2: Yeah, you got that right. As you spell it on paper, I mean some people might read bump ass but um i'm glad you said it Not yeah me. <laughs> it could be frowned upon so bumpus is uh, what the locals say so you got that right exactly
0: yes and obviously you uh, you get visitors from all across the nation including a good friend of you of yours and mine mr bob marley himself so big shout out to him uh, what what was his visit like
2: Oh, it's always great having Bob down. Uh, He's great at rounding up a crew. He usually brings his two sons along with him, and they're kind of the driving force. Those guys are all ski hungry, Um, so we love having them. And the first time he ever came down, I think it was like November 18th through 20th, which usually ski school is closed. And I was like, Bob, it's too late in the season for you and your boys to be coming down here. It's gonna be freezing. He was like, No, man, it's all right. We're from Maine, we're gonna be fine. And I'll be darned, man! They skied. The boys were jumping off the upper deck and swimming around. And uh, they always just bring a fun time. And if you've heard Bob in his comedy, he's just as much fun to hang out with in person, or, or even more. And uh, so, always love having him down. All right,
0: uh, give us a little bit of a rundown of what your typically day consists of. You know, over over at uh, over at your ski school in the uh, the northern realms of Virginia.
2: Yeah, well, it's been changing a little bit for me this year. I mean, historically, uh, the ski school's been growing. This is the 11th year, and... Uh, it's been
0: it's been that long.
2: Yeah, 11 years now, and for the first 10, basically the product was if you came to my ski school, you were getting me in the boat, kind of like if you go to Chet Raley's ski school or Matt Reini's, like, that's the product. But this year, my wife and I were bringing our son Seth into the world, and uh, I knew that the 16-hour days we're going to have to change you know and 16 hours was about 12 in the boat and four hours doing emails and bookings so I brought on some more help this year and I've been really thankful everyone that's come and helped out Mike Kuziak, Topher Hummel, Colin Diviak, um, Mason Guilford, Jason Breyer these guys have stepped up and taken a lot off of my plate and I did not expect to be as relaxed loosening the reins letting some other people uh, handle a lot of the coaching uh, i've still been in the boat myself and i've been loving it and i've actually had some pretty good dedicated ski time but um, i mean the gist of it is we run from april 1 to november 1 so we got a nice uh you know seasonal business go when the sun's shining and we're normally open all daylight hours and especially in the midsummer june july august that boat is running from the time the sun comes up until the time the sun goes down and uh, I'm just thrilled that so many people are accessing the sport and getting more deeply involved. And we've really created a, a rich community out there at the ski school. And um, it seems like it just picks up uh, a little bit each year like a tumbleweed. And I hope that just keeps on growing.
0: Okay, obviously you mentioned with the uh, with the increasing staff, you know, and everything that's given you a little bit more time to be relaxed and skiing. You know, how, how has that manifested itself with your performances on the water? Do you feel, do you feel like... You know the the kind of weight of the world of being involved with the ski school on a day to day basis is kind of like lifted off your shoulder, and then you can go out there and just like, just like, just ski the crud out of forty one off, huh?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and that's a great point. This is really the first year uh, in my skiing career that I've felt like I've gotten the chance to ski as a and train like a pro skier and make that a priority. In the past, I watched myself just book people in times where I thought that I would be skiing but I couldn't really resist selling those slots to earn a living and uh, this year I blocked off from noon to two every day for training time and coaches ski time so there's a dedicated portion of the day each day um, that I know I have the ability to ski and so I've been able to do my warm-ups up at the house come down to the dock um again i got to be thankful to my my coaches and drivers they've kind of let me come down to the dock ski first so i just stroll down there i'm all kind of prepped and ready in my mind and my my body and uh go out and crush buoys and that's so much better than i mean you've been around ski schools enough than jumping out of the boat trying to slam in a warm-up real quick you still got the last six skiers in your mind and you try to go out there and do your thing uh, this has really not the
0: ideal situation.
2: Not an ideal situation. This has been a game-changing year in that regard for me, and uh, so far it's been some good performances this year. I feel really good about the way uh, I've been skiing, and a lot of that goes back to the training. And we got some big stuff ahead of us, so we're going to find out if it uh, if it pays off here through the home stretch of the season.
0: I mean, you mentioned the scarf, uh, you mentioned Mike Kuziak and a couple of others that I may may have recognized, you know. But, you know, being, having the opportunity to train out there is one thing. Having quality sets is another, you know, especially when it comes down to 39 and 41 off, where, where having that boat in the right position and keeping it in that right position is absolutely critical to success. So, I mean, how, how, has, that, how has that been for you, taking everything you said into account?
2: Yeah, so that's another great point, Tony. Up until this year, um, my primary ski partner, and she still is, is my wife, Amelia. Um, She was my go-to driver, and she started driving for me, I believe, in 2015. Wow. And if you go back and kind of look at my scores, you can actually see, even as she just started to learn short-line driving, and she started with short-line driving, her first three sets through through the course with a boat, were me, me and then Chris Parrish. And so she started right at the top and, um, and my scores went up when I started training with her. She's taken it very seriously. I can't thank her enough for that dedication. And so that's allowed me someone great to ski with all these years. But then this year, having Coos also available uh, on a daily basis, because my wife, well, one, we had a baby, so she's with the baby, and two, she works full-time. So to try to fit in skiing on both of our schedules can be tough. So having somebody in the boat like Mike, who is a fantastic driver, having done it 20-plus years. He worked here at Trophy Lakes like 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. And... Um, and then when Amelia can come in and drive and Kuz can shift over to the passenger seat, then I have somebody with uh, the know-how and the coaching experience to give me some critical feedback and say, hey, you know, you, you stood up too quickly on your gate that time. That's why you ran out of speed or whatever it may be. Things that I know I should be doing, but I'm not aware of in those short moments at 41 off. And so that, that has been extremely valuable
0: give us an overview of what your season has been like this uh this year because i mean you've you've skied a number of events hilltop and what have you swiss pro and lord knows what lord knows what else you know so i mean uh, i mean your skiing is your skiing is on the rise your consistency is there that's hoped in no smell part by by your cadre drivers and, and Amelia through through the years you know so how has that manifested itself in performances in this season leading up to this event and quite possibly the World Championships coming up afterwards.
2: Yeah, I mean, I do feel really good about it. Like you said, it's all about quality sets and getting that quality time on the water, which I think I've had better this year than ever before. So um, I think one of my best tournaments was at Herbs Cup out there at Radar Lake. I felt really good uh, leaving home, going out to the event, uh, showed up there. The the good training at home, transferred into the event, felt Confident all weekend, won the event, uh, so that was a nice confidence booster. And then uh, I went to the nationals slash U.S. Open. That one didn't quite go so well for me. I felt pretty good. It but
0: didn't go well for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, it was a little weird in that way. I don't, I don't know what the deal was. It was one round, and it was over before I knew it. And uh, you know, I try to shrug those things off and just let them go and and uh, not get too down about it. And then came back the following weekend to Hilltop and um it was cold out there so had to kind of factor in uh, a little bit of different water temperature and things like that but overall skiing went pretty well um you know had a couple of nice 39s didn't didn't get down to three ball at 41 which you kind of have to do these days if you want to be advancing in finals and so forth and then that was the last big thing until now i skied a record tournament a couple of weeks ago at little mountain got a couple of threes which is fine and yeah. good but that's different at a record tournament i'd like to go out here at uh, when it when the chips are really down on the line and uh, and i'd like to see that second half of 41 get get past oh, the three wow. ball
0: yes indeed you're actually one of the very few skiers that's actually gone through 41 off is that correct
2: yeah that's right i've done it two times and it's been a little too long now so it's overdue i'd like to to bring that back and hopefully one of these upcoming opportunities this fall will uh, afford me the chance
0: because i mean at 43 off what is it for 40 43 off the standard 75 foot line it's 32 feet of line the course is 37 and a half feet wide schlubs might like me can't even get around the buoy on a trick ski <laughs> and you stand at what is it 6'3 six, 6'4 six, something like that
2: i'm like 6'2 uh, you know within my bare feet uh got a lot of legs and um so yeah i mean i feel like that 6'2 you see a lot of great skiers andy mapple nate Freddie. everyone's kind of right around that 6'2 uh standing and um so it's enough to get there but it takes a lot of things going right at least in my case i'm not doing it every time by any means so um you kind of you got to get the gate right and everything from there has to be pretty much at 100 percent
0: asking you as one of the very few people to have gotten through 41 off in recent times you know is 43 off runnable
2: That's a great question. I feel like the answer will bear itself out in time, and I want to lean towards yes. I mean, we keep seeing the technology change, and we keep seeing milestones achieved that no one thought was going to be humanly possible. I mean, years ago, they would have thought 39 was impossible, then 41, certainly physically impossible, and those things have happened. So, 43, uh, you got to figure that the physics could allow for it. We just have not yet cracked away and and to me in my practice it has not seemed possible but um, I'm not I'm not ready to rule it out
0: what has been the most significant change in slalom skiing in recent years that that has seen the proliferation of scores that we've seen today from yourself and a lot of your the other competitors that you uh, compete against I mean you mentioned zero off it's it it's more. It gives a more conducive, more appealing pull, and it can be customized. But is there anything else that you can think of that has led to, to, to the scores that we've seen out there in the water?
2: Yeah, I think you put your finger on the big one. Uh, I think with zero off coming into the game and regulating with such great consistency the speed, it's provided drivers the opportunity to focus just on steering. And then we've had SurePath now as a new implementation of technology in the sport to where... The drivers really know where they are all the time. They get a lot of feedback that is, you know, actual, real-time feedback. So that is a big help. But then I think that once Zero Off came into the picture and provided that steady pull, I think you saw all of the ski companies adapt their strategies uh, in building skis and ski design to meet a new style of skiing and the the combination of those two things as well as I think um, I can't speak for it 100% but a lot of these guys these athletes are are training really hard year-round all the time I mean I know people have been doing that for decades but you see so many guys now getting into mid 41 and running 39 that you didn't see decades ago and there's a, a level of dedication out there, uh, d- despite the fact that we are not uh, making tennis money or pro basketball money or something like that, that is, um, you know, it's pretty unparalleled.
0: Absolutely. So before I, before I let you go, and I thank you for being a participant in this uh, podcast, now we've got the Worlds that's just around the corner. Now, a lot of people are speculating what it's going to take to make it through to the finals. I'm going to ask you two questions on that one, uh, both at the same time. What score do you reckon that it's going to take to advance through to the finals without the need for a runoff? And, what, and, and for those that are going to need a runoff to make it through to the finals, because inevitably there's going to be a pack jam at 2 or 3 at 41 off to make it through to the final. You know What do what those scores look like in your mind?
2: Yeah, so I think the Worlds is going to take 12 people into the final, and I think what you're going to see is that there will be a handful of skiers that get three my prediction is going to be that all of the threes are going to be in without runoff and there are going to be a lot of skiers with two in the men's slalom and there's going to be a big runoff of cold 39s that have to differentiate themselves from the two ball
0: so like about six people battling for two spots
2: that that sounds about right that 10 10 people that could get three at 41 plus that are going to be safely through and then another yeah six people like you said with two that are going to be trying to claim those last two spots and i've been practicing my cold 39s at home for that exact reason All right, then. So we thank you very much for
0: participating in this podcast. Any last shout-outs that you want to give uh, to your fans and folks?
2: Well, one big one, just right back at you and TWBC. It's the biggest thing that's happening in the sport right now. Uh, Myself, my family and everybody at my staff at ski school is able to follow the sport and enjoy it so much more because of the fantastic broadcasting that's going on so that should just i want to put that out there as a big thank you to the hard work of you vince and the whole crew and then uh yeah big shout out to my wife amelia and my son seth and my my mom and my whole family and uh another big thank you to everybody uh, that helped me out at ski school this year both the in staff taking that load off of my shoulders really allowing me to have the season that I wanted to have and the great community of people that come out and take lessons and bring their family and friends out and support the ski school and help grow that community so I I feel very blessed and I hope to keep it going and, and steering that ship in a good direction.
0: All right, then. That was Mr. Peace, Love, and Water Skiing himself, Mr. Corey Vaughn. You can, you can Google him and find and find out more about him at Peace, Love, and Water Skiing. Uh, my name is Tony Lightfoot. This has been the TWBC Podcast. Until the next time, it is ciao for now.
1: Thank you for listening to the TWBC Podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com.